0: I shut the car door as quietly as I could. I wasn't sure how close the owl might be. Our guide climbed down out of her truck and tried to stage whisper some instructions to us, but the wind hurled her words off into the desert. The four of us huddled around her in the otherwise empty parking lot of this park somewhere in the southeastern corner of Arizona We'd driven here in search of the Whiskered screech owl, hoping to find it at the northern tip of its range, which barely crossed the border. I'd only ever seen the bird in my guidebook, a fierce little 7 inch raptor. The description said you'd have to be really close to actually see any whiskers. I'm not sure we're going to find it with this wind, our guide worked to lower our expectations. Let's fan out and see if we hear anything. I walked into a dark corner of the lot and listened. Just wind. Cold wind, and I was dressed for daytime in the desert, not night. A while later, she waved us back and gathered us under a cluster of low trees. I'm not hearing anything. But I'm gonna play the tape for a few minutes before we call it. Birders still call it playing tape when they use recorded calls to try to bring in a species. You know, everyone has an app now. It's something you're not supposed to do very often. But when you've flown across country and paid a guide to find you one seven-inch owl somewhere in an enormous desert in high winds. My friend Karen and I had been listening to that call for days as we drove around a park in the canyon facing rare species. I'd learned to tell the steadiness of the whispered bowl from the acceleration of the western. It sounded like a pintown call dropped from food. Now I leaned against the wind to try to discern it, answering us in the distance. Our God played the clip again, and again, a fifth, 10th, 15th time, I stopped listening for the bird. Did you hear that, she asked? Suddenly making a show of against the rush. That's him. He's pretty far off. Let me play it again. None of us heard anything. I wondered if it was just a little theater so we wouldn't feel so bad about whiffing on the bird. We could tell ourselves that it gotten close standing on this cold, dusty hillside for half an hour, and I realized suddenly how absurd it was. Playing a recording into the wilderness and expecting that one particular bird would hear it and decide to investigate. Holding a cell phone up into the night and leaving, we might hear that call echo back from somewhere. That's how I understood prayer as a kid. Second, third grade, lying in bed, pinging God with my petitions. Walkie talkies for my birthday, a good grade on that week's spelling test, forgiveness for hitting my sister again. Sometimes the requests were granted, sometimes not, but no response ever came. None that I could discern. Prayer was just calling out night after night and never hearing a reply. Wherever God was, they were too far away or there was too much noise in me or in the world or the creator of the universe just could not be bothered to investigate every request that came hurling through the dark. And that mostly didn't bother me. I didn't need God to talk back. Just get me those walkie-talkies. Except that God seemed to talk to other people. People at my church said God talked to them, at least the super religious ones. We sang songs about God speaking to us. We heard stories in Sunday school where people were woken in the night by the voice of God or heard it on the top of a mountain, Jesus told his disciples, my sheep know my voice. Which in my more anxious moments, pinging God each night, seemed to suggest that if I didn't know Jesus's voice, I wasn't one of his sheep. That parable, it's in the Gospel of John, it's truly one of the worst at least in terms of making sense. Um, um, It starts with Jesus saying that anyone that gets into the field without going through the gate is a bandit or a thief, but the one who enters the gate is the shepherd and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And already there are too many characters to really work as a metaphor. But the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and they won't follow the voice of the stranger character five and then it says jesus used this figure of speech with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them which not entirely surprising so he tries to explain i am the gate which of all the characters was not the one they were expecting him to say, because for one, the gate is not a character. And two, isn't Jesus classically the shepherd? But then Jesus also says, I am the shepherd, which is also not how parables work. Jesus enters the field through himself after the gatekeeper, who has to be God, opens Jesus to let Jesus in, he keeps going. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and runs away. And that's characters six and seven, not counting the gate, which should not count. And only two of those eight are Jesus. And how do you introduce new characters in the explanation of a parable that you've already told? And the whole thing is nonsense, except for the one line anyone remembers, my sheep know my voice. And I worried in second and third and and fourth and 10th and 12th grade that, that that meant I was a different kind of sheep. Someone else's sheep, the strangers or the hired hands, the thief, the bandit, there were a lot of options. I heard this as a story about how some sheep are in and some are out, some are safe and some are wolf bait one group hears God's voice and the other just keeps calling out night after night with no response it wasn't until this week when i tried to unravel this shit show of a parable that i realized there is no other group of sheep there's just one group of sheep all of the sheep okay This is going to confuse it, but technically there is another group of sheep that people read it and think they're aliens, but Jesus immediately makes them part of the fold as well. They're included. They know the voice. All of the sheep know the voice. And they only follow the voice that they know. Through all that noise, they can hear that one voice calling out. And they recognize it. They know it. The first time I prayed the prayer of examine was in a small group during college. My minister explained it was from St. Ignatius, and that Ignatius had thought God was present everywhere. Like, everywhere, everywhere. In our daily lives, all the time. Ignatius thought that the mundane things that happened to us could be the word of God for the people of God. He didn't put it that way. My minister explained that the examine was this way of praying where you tried to notice that presence in retrospect. You replayed the tape of the last 24 hours and listened for that subtle voice you may have missed the first time through. The one that in some moment of joy or generosity had been cheering, yes, more of this or in response to some pettiness had whispered in your heart. This doesn't feel right. As he described it, I was dubious. I was pretty sure that if that voice had spoken up even once over the course of the day, I would have known it, I would have heard it. The voice of God didn't speak to me. I was one of the other sheep. But I played along. We had 20 minutes of mostly silence to pray this prayer. And we were supposed to work our way backward in our minds from that moment all the way to the night before, a full 24 hours, minute by minute, if we could. So I started to rewind, not sure what I was looking for, not sure I'd know it if I heard it, but then, not that far in, maybe only a half hour before at the beginning of our group, I remembered how when we were doing our check-in, a woman had shared this tender and painful exchange with her mother, had told us all this story where she didn't come off that great, had been willing to trust us with it and something in that moment had called out to me. When it happened and and even now as I replayed it in my mind, something had called out to me and from me, this feeling, this sympathetic response. Yes, more of this, like an echo inside me And okay, we all know I'm working my way back to that owl. I'm not being subtle about it, but I don't want you to think I'm just bullshitting you for aesthetic reasons. I chose that story because that's how it felt, like something in me answered back to whatever it was that was calling to it. Something in me heard a thing that was like it out there and responded without me even thinking about it without me even noticing it. It responded over and over again as I went through just one day of my life, a day when I had not believed God had spoken a word to me. That voice was there, constant, five, 10, 15 times. And I realized, not in that moment, but eventually I realized I had had prayer 180 degrees wrong It wasn't me pinging a silent God with no response. It was God calling out constantly, everywhere, all the time, waiting for the God in me to respond, to wake up, to investigate, to come close. Yes, the way that fucking whiskered owl did that night. After our guide played the tape a couple more times, she put her cell phone away and announced he's here. In just that kind of ominous way, which made the hair stand out on my already-pulled collar. And she swung this red light up into the tree I was standing under and I turned my head slowly And there not more than four feet from my house, from my face was the bird. Close enough I could see his whiskers. From wherever the hell he'd been in that vast desert on that windy night, when we couldn't hear each other 10 feet apart, he'd heard that call and known the voice. Would have recognized it anywhere, the same voice that came from him, one voice they shared echoing back and forth between them. The point of praying the examine, my my minister said, was to get good enough at recognizing that voice in retrospect that you start to notice it and follow it in the moment. That you hear it and let it lead you to the place where you belong, the place you were made for. The place that needs just you. I haven't made as much progress on that as I might have. I hear it sometimes. Often by accident, I read a line of poetry or hear part of your story and that yes voice is too loud to ignore for once. Or I say the first thing that pops into my head without thinking and by the time my ears hear what my mouth is saying, I'm in tears. Sometimes it happens. Mostly I'm too lazy or too distracted to get good at it. Instead, I just go around telling people that Ignatius was right. God is in everything, every last thing. There are no other groups of sheep except aliens, and they're included. There are no other groups of sheep, just in case you've been told otherwise or worried about it in the middle of the night. And Jesus was right, if a little confusing. You know the voice. You recognize it the moment you hear it. Not the thief, the bandit, the stranger, not the hired hand, the wolf, the voice of the shepherd. And I guess the gate, and depending on your theology, maybe the gatekeeper too, but like a little bit different. Anyway, let's call it the voice of love. That is calling to you and echoing out from you that hears the thing like itself and responds in every minute of the last 24 hours, through every anxious night, pinging out into the open air, into the vastness, calling for just you, leading the way to the place where you belong, to the one you were made to be. Listen.